championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Hello and welcome to 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Darius Terrell, as always. You guys listen to the Hornscast channel, which you can find on any podcasting platform out there. Today we're going to be going over National Signing Week. Tomorrow, everybody is signing. We'll talk about who we should be worried about, what we think about each one of these guys who is potentially signing tomorrow, who to keep an eye on, out and about for any surprise signees and then after this what texas should be focused on when it comes to recruiting in this class darius let's start off real fast with just a general overview of this class this was a class that if texas did well this year they could have cleaned up in but the narrative that happened happened and texas was not able to really do well in this class. They missed out on guys like Tommy Brockermeyer, Shamar Turner, Billy Bowman, Clayton Smith, JoJo Earl, Jalen Milrow, who they, they had and then absolutely fumbled. There was a bunch of guys in this class that they could have had, but they didn't. Very reminiscent of the year that they had, a year of what-ifs. What are your thoughts on the general feel of this class? Because personally, I don't think of it as negative as a lot of people around the nation do yeah um are we talking about 2021 class as a whole or texas's 2021 class well start well i guess we have to start off in the relative to the 2021 class that was in texas this year Mm -hmm. because that's where texas's main recruiting base is so looking at that this year what were you expecting because i was expecting to be really really good especially at offensive line and it ended up being a little bit more even across the board? Uh, Prior to the season, there was a point where I thought this could possibly be a historic 2021 class, especially in the trenches. Fast forward a year and a half to where we are now, I'm of the opinion that it's still a stronger trenches class than usual, but as a whole, 2021, it's it's an above-average class as a whole. It's not historic. Texas had an opportunity. You know, folks were dreaming of landing, you know, both Brocker Myers, Donovan Jackson, Bryce Foster, and Hayden Connor, pretty much, you know, four, you know, three, three five stars in the class, and Savion Bird. But the truth is, the odds of that actually happening and coming to fruition, you know, all of those guys signing with the same school was highly unlikely, you know, when you really think about it. Of course, Texas, Texas was sitting good early with Donovan Jackson, but, you know, Ohio State has had, you know, Ohio State's run over the past decade compared to Texas. There's no comp- There's no comparison. Adding to that, the amount of kids from the state of Texas that have been going to Ohio State recently, once he got up there on a visit and all those Texas guys started telling them how great it was and how this is the move and how no other place around, you know, where he lives can get him where he wants to go, it was a wrap. Bryce Foster was a guy, he's a Texas A&M legacy. You know, his mom went to A&M. He's a guy that, you know, also really likes Oregon. I always thought Foster would have a hard time not signing with either A&M or Oklahoma, especially with the success the Sooners have had developing an offensive lineman pretty much any through the time he's been old enough to pay attention. The only ones that really hurt that you felt like should be a part of the class was obviously the Brocker Myers. And um, they made it clear pretty early on that, um, you know, the dad did that this would be, you know, his kids were going to make the best decision for themselves. And, you know, they didn't feel necessarily any obligation to, you know, follow in dad's footsteps or anything like that. You know, like everybody else, they, they have ears, they have eyes. They watch this Texas program. They've watched it their whole lives since they've been probably in about fifth, sixth grade now, Will. 
all they've heard about and been hearing about is the SEC and how, you know, even though they have more teams than anybody else, you know, how they have X amount more players than any other conference in the NFL and things like that. If the goal is to get to the NFL, how can you argue with folks following the numbers, following the statistics, and wanting to go play for Nick Saban? Especially after seeing what Herb Hand put out this year. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the Brock Amars are inexcusable. The rest of them, you know, Savion Burr. Savion Burr was always going to be a guy that's going to go where his, you know, his high school coach kind of guides him to go. That's his mentor and things like that. So there was no reason to believe that he was going to end up with Texas once Rashad Samples left and went to SMU. So, I mean, if you really step back and look at it, all these guys that Texas fans naively assumed were going to be in their class just because it's Texas or whatever, they kind of set themselves up for that one. You know, and even had Texas had an amazing year this year, despite all the negativity and gone, I don't know, let's say Texas is undefeated right now, Will. I think you get the Brocker Myers, but I don't think you're getting anybody else. You know, Bird still would probably end up at SMU um, with, with Rashad. Donovan Jackson still will end up at Ohio State. So, I mean, realistically, truthfully, it's, it's not really a big, as big of a fail as, as it's being made out to be, in my opinion, as a, as a whole. I think the failure of Shamar Turner is, is one to watch. And I think that's not so much on Oscar Giles or, or Mark Hagan. It's more so on the fact that Texas A&M right now can boast that they're number five in the nation and Texas had a struggling season. It sucks, but also you're looking at this Texas line and the depth chart there. That's the one place where I guess you could you could manage to lose a five-star, but it still sucks. And and we've been high, you and I, and especially you, have been high on Shamar Turner since before he was even thought of as a five-star. I thought he was incredible two years ago and before you'd even join on the show sucks to see the guy who Texas had a shot at had started out early on and was high on early not end up at the Longhorns and end up at A&M but it is what it is sometimes. It's real simple with Shamar. It's three letters. SEC. A&M represents the closest option to home and the opportunity to play in the SEC. If all things were equal had this pandemic not be going on Shamar would be going to Alabama. Okay but A&M is the closest to home. Um, That's where you know mom and and it's a guardian, and everybody can come see him. And A&M was also able to get Von Miller involved, get Tony Jarrett, um, Eddie involved. And those were the last two guys from DeSoto in 2007 2008 to, to go sign and play at Texas A&M. And both guys went to A&M. Von, of course, became the number two pick in the draft. Tony played five, five, six years in the NFL after going undrafted. And, you know, they're in his ear as well, telling them about the Aggie network. And Tony is a guy that, you know, once he left the NFL, Will, Tony um still had to get his degree and stuff like that, which they're helping him take care of. And Tony is also now a GA at Texas A&M. So it's, just, it's, it's clear proof that they'll take care of him regardless of what goes on, what happens with him. And that's what sold him and his family. And um, Texas would have had to have been, going, been undefeated right now, Will, on top of a few other things, just to defeat that, that, that SEC um, shadow. It's unfortunate. And – Going back to the offensive line, that was another place that I feel Texas did not do as well. And it's not because of what you were saying where they didn't get these top five guys. It's more that they didn't get these top five guys. And the guys who they had as plan Bs, they didn't get them either. Plan Cs, they didn't get us either. It's how, how slow they were. Yeah, they couldn't get anybody. They really couldn't bring anybody into this. They couldn't recruit anybody into Texas. They didn't even look at Echae Atare. They missed on Jack Layer. There was a bunch of other guys in this class who they could have had a potential chance at if they would have even tried. They didn't try. And they're ending up 
now having to find people and evaluate coming into the national sign- second national signing day. And we'll get into that at the end of the show, but I feel like that's a massive failure there. The two guys they got, especially Hayden Connor, I think are underrated. The rest of that class is just, it's a miss. It's a miss. I think I really do think Tom Herman and Herb Hand kind of already had the Brocker Myers penciled in as as parts of the class, you know, from the get go. And I think that's part of why they were so slow to move off of off of them, you know, in the later months when it became pretty clear to everybody else that this wasn't gonna go Texas's way. And at that point again, well, people have ears, people have eyes, okay? These other kids can see that, hey, Texas ain't worried about me, and then they wanna come around after the fact. Well, you know, they've, they've got options as well. It's been a really poor job um, evaluating and, and identifying in the trenches on the offensive side. There's, there's no getting around that. There's no beating around that bush. It's, it's been bad. The good thing about offensive line is it is an incredibly difficult position to evaluate. It is. You can't go by rankings at all. The fact that they, they missed on these top guys, that they missed on other guys, it doesn't hurt as much because when you missed on guys in the past, you ended up with, Connor Williams, Sam Cosme, Andrej Karic. It's not like you can't come back from this, but you have to start going after guys and, you know, look and evaluate and see, all right, who would fit best in the system? Who is smart? Who is a promising offensive lineman? And then start going after that. I guess we're getting into the end of the show here where we're talking about what they need to do in National Signing Day 2. But that is what needs to happen going into National Signing Day number two is start evaluating these guys start offering these guys stop acting like you're going to get these top five-star guys and anybody you choose start evaluating and pick up a guy who might be a diamond in the rough like sam cosme connor williams or andre's carriage were yeah and i got a homework assignment for our texans fans listening do yourself a favor okay go find bryce foster's huddle right find bryce foster's huddle find his highlights and then don't watch bryce though watch hayden connor and then after you do that Go watch Hayden Connor's highlights, but don't watch Hayden. Watch Bryce Foster. I think you'll learn something. And you can do that with everybody else in this class. You can watch the highlights of other players on the team and find diamonds of the rough. That's how a lot of these guys are actually found. So Texas staff, that's more homework for the Texas staff is to go and do that. But let's go ahead and get into the meat of the show right now and talk about is there anybody in this class we should be worried about of the 17 commits that Texas has after Ishmael Ibrahim basically kicked himself off the team by carjacking. Who should Texas be worried about signing on Wednesday, National Signing Day? Is there anybody on this team who you should be keeping an eye on at all, Darius? Uh, I I think naturally you always have to keep an eye on out-of-state guys. Personally, I've never gotten in contact with Jameer Johnson, but I haven't seen any updates on him anywhere. I I haven't seen him talk. Um, much anywhere. So, I mean, you always want to keep an eye on those guys. Casey Kane is another guy that doesn't talk a whole lot down there in New Orleans. Even Jaden Alexis, even though he's been a little bit, he's shown some support, some uh, support on social media. I don't think you have to worry about Gunnar Helm. But, um, yeah, the, the, the out-of-state guys, you always want to keep an eye on. And then, of course, Jatavian Sanders is the crown jewel of the class. I've received indications from people that would know close to him at Den Ryan that, that he will be signing with Texas on Wednesday, but, you know, you always still got to hold your breath a little bit. I'm not really worried about anybody or anything like that. Which is nice. It's a nice change, especially in a class, this 2021 class, which, you know, you really can't afford to miss on anybody after 
everybody who has de- decommitted has decommitted, right? After you missed on Michael Misalinski and Billy Bowman and, and everybody else who has decommitted so far due to the coaching speculation. So that's nice, is that Texas fans really don't have to worry. Now, obviously, I'm going to be keeping an eye on Jatavian Sanders just because I'm paranoid, but I don't think if you're the rational fan or an outside observer, there's anybody at Texas who you're like, yeah, he's not going to sign. Yeah, no, nobody comes to mind as a big red flag for me. But again, the out-of-state guys have been quiet. That leads me to the next question. Are there any surprise signees this National Signing Day number one? I wouldn't expect it given, again, all the coaching questions and narratives that have been thrown out there. But, you know, you never know. And that's the thing. Is there are surprise signees. So, Darius, if you were to look for a guy in this class, who would you look for? Because J.J. Henry is committing today, on the day this podcast is released. You have L.J. Johnson, who most likely is waiting until February, but it's down to Texas and Texas A&M. And then Austin Uke, who just got his offer. Is there anybody else in this class who you might be keeping an eye on? Yeah, oh, there are whispers about a name I thought you were going to mention. Um, the guy out of Mississippi, the wide receiver, Antonio Harmon, the big wide receiver. He's about 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a guy who, obviously, I've never spoken to him, but um, there are whispers that Texas is in a good spot there. And if he decides to sign on Wednesday, Texas could possibly be the choice there. Another guy, Ike Iwana, who we haven't talked a ton about. He Texas offered him a long time ago. Ike doesn't talk or do any public speaking or anything like that, but he could be a guy as well. If he chooses to sign in the first signing day, he has a Texas offer on the table. He could be a guy. He's a guy that I know was high on Texas. Last question before we get into each commit that is committed to Texas right now. Is there anybody in this class who Texas just missed on, whether it was a missed evaluation or anything, who they just didn't offer and will it, you know, Texas fans will look back and be like, wow, I can't believe you missed that. Like Jackson Smith Nigba or Marvin Mims or LaVisca Chenault, anybody like that out there right now who Texas fans are going to look back and be like, what happened there? Um, I think a few people are going to be saying what happened there. And he's my number two ranked receiver in the class. And that's J. Michael Sturdivant out of Flower Mound Marcus. J. Mike's about 6'2", about 185 pounds. He was Garrett Nussmeyer's number one target. You watch that kid's video. His senior highlights are already up. J. Michael Sturdivant's an early impact. I think he's an instant impact kind of kid. In my opinion, he's like a he's a slightly smaller version of, of last year's Quentin Johnston in a way. And um, I think he's going to do big things at Cal, even though a lot of people aren't going to see those late games out there. I think he made a heck of a choice for himself signing with the University of California. Another guy, is um he's not on the radar. He's not committed anywhere. He doesn't even have any FBS offers. He's a cornerback, too, since we're talking about, you know, positions of possible positions of need. It's a guy named Preston Hodge that plays cornerback at Waxahachie High School. Um, if you guys could get that name, Preston Hodge, look him up on Huddle um, out there in Waxahachie. I think he would be a stud. He's going to be included um, on my updated 2021 rankings that come out on the TFB website on Thursday. I'm a big Preston Hodge fan as well. I'm looking for him to blow up um, during the second signing period. Another guy I really like, and we're looking at talking about potential defensive ends and jacks. This is a guy from Mansfield Timberview named Terrell Tillman. Um, Tillman, Oregon, somebody came in and did an eval early. Tillman's been committed to them since the beginning of his junior year. I think Terrell Tillman's going to end up being an NFL guy. He's going to go play defensive end at Oregon out of Mansfield Timberview, and he's not rated highly on any other sites. I think he's a stud, though. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into the guys who are going to Texas, the guys who Texas did get, and we'll see what we think about them. 
And it obviously has to start off with the gem of the class, Jatavian Sanders. It makes sense him coming in after Joseph Osai leaves. He declared for the draft yesterday when we started recording this podcast two days ago on Sunday. And Jatavian Sanders coming in. He can play wide receiver or jack position, which is what Joseph Osai was. He'll probably end up at Jack, which is where Texas was planning on playing him. Darius gush over him for a bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I'm I'm no I'm a huge Jatavian Sanders fan. I saw the kid. We played them in the playoffs uh, when they were sophomores. He and Billy Bowman and Sanders had shit. He had three three touchdowns on offense, <laughs> playing wide receiver, and then he turned around and had three sacks on defense. I'm like, who the heck is this kid? And I find out he's just a sophomore. Barring something completely unforeseen, and if he stays healthy, he's the guy that's going to play a lot. He's going to play early at Texas next year as a true freshman. I think he's. I think it's clear. It's obvious that he is a. He's a clear top ten, top fifteen national player overall. I just. I, I couldn't be more excited about him, and he's a good kid too. On top of it, I'm really excited to see what he can do um, during his time in the burn orange. And um, Oscar Giles and. Everybody else involved there deserves a huge pat on the back for keeping them in the fold with all the negativity going on. Jatavian Sanders is going to be a star. Right. Do you think he's going to be as early an impact as a guy like Alfred Collins? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, – I'm trying to think will be a good – I mean, he didn't end up becoming a star during his time. But if you remember, Malcolm Roach had some really nice flashes as a true freshman. Do you remember that when he was about there playing linebacker mm-hmm. and things like that? I think Jatavian has a chance. If he doesn't earn a starting spot coming out of fall camp – I think he's going to be a starter either at Jack or, or somewhere. He's going to be on the field in some capacity by, by the midway point of the season. As a freshman, he's going to be a four or five sack guy and have a flash every week. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up because after Joseph Osai on that defensive line, you're kind of looking around for questions. You have a few guys behind Joseph Osai. You have Jet Bush. Then after that, Reese Latow. Prince Dorba, and I guess also in the same class, Derek Harris, who we'll get into. None of these guys right now off the top of my head are clear-cut favorites to win that position. There have been questions about Prince Dorba throughout the season this year. Jet Bush, while he is an impressive walk-on, he's a walk-on nonetheless. Uh, You know, he lacks probably the raw athleticism that a guy like Jatavian Sanders would bring. And Reese Latow is a guy who's a tight end. He, that he was brought in as a tight end. Now he's flashed as a defensive end. He could potentially be really good, but Jatavian Sanders is a natural fit for this position. None of those guys, and no disrespect to any of them, and I liked Prince Dorber out of coming out of Highland Park. None of those guys are even close to being the type of prospect Jatavian Sanders is arriving on campus. I'm, I'm serious, man. He's going. Well, he's going to have. He's going to wear number one next year, which should be a tip right there. You got a true freshman getting a single digit on the defensive front. Okay, he's going to be a stud. I'm going to stop talking about him because um, if he doesn't sign on wins, I'm going to be pissed. So um, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Because he's the real Let's get on to the deal. next guy. And this guy wasn't very highly rated comparatively. But if you watch his tape, if you watch this guy's tape, it is stunning. J.D. Coffey. He's going to be an early enrollee for Texas. And he's got great ball skills. And he hates like a Mack truck. This dude does just about everything. He can come up and play on the line in a role that is like, let's see what Chris Brown was doing this year or where Chris Adamora was this year. He can do all of it. Or he can be in the role where 
Caden Stearns was, which is that center fielder type roller. I guess B.J. Foster was also back there doing that. He has ball skills. He has the ability to tackle. I'm really excited about J.D. Coffey. I think he's a guy who, like Chris Brown, was mediumly rated, but just didn't get the hype and is going to come in and turn some heads. Yeah, Coffee is a guy that he committed in the, over the summer, but I mean, everybody knew he was going to Texas for, you know, at least half a year at that point. So he's not a, he wasn't an exciting guy to talk about or be moving up in the rankings or anything like that. But pound for pound, JD Coffee is one of the best players in the class. Um, like you said, he can line up in a, in a myriad of different schemes and have success completing whatever that task is. He can pretty much play any spot in the secondary except corner. He's not a corner. He can't play corner. Okay, but the ball skills are there and, and he's, some Texas hasn't has lacked in the past. He he is one of the more reliable tacklers from that defensive back position that I've seen um, over the past few classes. Um, he's going to have some competition, of course. You know, you got um, Xavion Alford there. Jaron Thompson got some run against Kansas State. Tyler Owens, Montreal. So Texas has plenty of options in that secondary. But just just the way Coffee carries himself out there on the field, I think he's going to find a way to he's going to find a way out there in some capacity next year as a true freshman. Yeah, if it's not on the field, it's going to be in special teams for sure. You can't keep this kid off the field. He's too good. He's too much of an impact. I expect some big things out of him. And I guess a better comparison, not Chris Brown. Chris Brown was a three-star, high three-star. More Chris Adamora, who's a low four-star, and came in and turned some heads. That's J.D. Coffey. I'm fine with the Chris Brown comp. He's just he's Chris Brown with better ball skills. That's him as a player. I'm talking about him as a high, as a rated recruit. Oh, as far as being rated, yeah, Adam Moore. Yeah. yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So, the next guy you have coming in is Jameer Johnson at corner, and it's interesting that you have to go out to California and get a corner. But just looking at cornerback this year in state, it wasn't great. Not a good class. No, not a good class. You had. At the time, I think we talked about this on the show before. Billy Bowman was probably the best cornerback you had in this class, and he wants to play wide receiver. Yeah, so it was never going to work. And after that, in terms of where people are rated in this class, you have Deuce Harmon. He's 5'8". Ishmael Ibrahim. He's in trouble and overrated. Was it Latrell McCutcheon, who's ACL. Hunter Washington, another guy way overrated. Hunter's overrated, no disrespect. It wasn't a great year. So you go out and you try to do your homework elsewhere – and pick up a guy who maybe another team has missed on, and they went out and got Jameer Johnson. When Jameer Johnson first committed to Texas, Darius, you and I were looking at his film, uh, like full game film, not highlights, and it's also very hard to find highlights of him out there. I was personally not that impressed with what he put out there. Uh, Well, so here's the thing, you know, you're... It's always funny, you know, you always want to, you know, you get excited about highlights, but when you get the opportunity and what a lot of folks, if y'all were to be able to see full game tapes and not just the highlight, a lot of the guys you're amazed that you would get a clearer picture on. And since there were no highlights of Jameer, we got the clear picture uh, pretty early. For me, Jameer Johnson is a, it's, it's a little bit of an incomplete evaluation. Um, I can't, I truthfully can't give a, a full, like strong opinion on him because I just, I haven't seen that much of him. Um, I know um, the thought was, you know, just talking behind the scenes, well, he wanted to commit to Oregon, and Oregon was full. So Texas was the second option. I've got a little bit of a question mark by Jameer Johnson. I, I don't have a strong opinion on him one way or the other. I'm just interested to see, you know, what he can do once he gets to campus because Texas has some young some young cornerbacks already in Keaton Crawford and Jade Barron that are going to be pretty good. So he's going to have competition. And, you know, Jameer Johnson also could be a guy that possibly will. Could he possibly play some safety as well? 
Um, so he's, he's, he's a question mark for me. I'm interested to see what he does. I need to watch more of his senior tape. My opinion was made about his junior tape. Mm. It also helps the fact that you have this year coming back Josh Thompson. And then after that, you know, you have Deshaun Jameson likely coming back. You have Jalen Green coming back. And behind those two guys from last year's class, Keaton Crawford and Jade Barron mm. are two guys who have done very well very early on and look like two guys who can do very well going forward. So I'm not too worried right now about the cornerback position going forward unless you miss on everybody in the next class. And those young guys probably played a role in Kenyatta Watson getting out of town. True. I'm iffy on Jameer Johnson. I'm going to watch a little bit more on him. But right now, eh, in a year of eh. Hey, he's got four stars online, so that's what I'm going to choose to believe. <laughs> the next guy we have coming up is another early enrollee. Texas has 10 this year. Derek Harris Jr. coming in. He's been a Longhorn commit for a pretty long time. He's been very vocally a Longhorn for a very long time. He's signing as a Longhorn, but he was hurt this entire year. Darius, what are your initial thoughts on Derek Harris Jr. and what he could bring to Texas? Uh, Derek Harris is another guy that committed early, and I think that hurt him as far as the rankings and stuff like that. Again, with these recruiting websites and folks, you know, they got to keep it moving. You know, they gotta, once you receive one group one time, you got to move on to the next class. Too many kids. And I think once Derek Harris, um, they saw him in one camp and he committed, you know, that was pretty much it. And he didn't really get to play his senior year. Derek Harris is a guy that initially, when I first looked at the class, I thought he could possibly um, be in the running to be the top linebacker in the class. The more I've watched Derek and I haven't seen him, I actually think he's he's probably best suited to play along the line of scrimmage as more of a defensive end type of guy, Jack type of guy. Derek is a little bit of a one-trick pony as far as his best skill, what he does well, he gets to the quarterback. All right, he can dip that shoulder, he can bend, he's got long arms, he's athletic. Derek needs a lot of work playing in space and dropping in coverage and things like that. And he's going to need some time in the weight room to get his body right because he's probably, you know, he's built more like a linebacker right now. But um, the upside is there. I think what Texas was hoping to be able to develop and get out of a guy like Byron Hobbs, I think they're going to try again with Derek Harris Jr. And I think Derek is less raw than Byron was coming in to campus. And Derek, again, he's, he's got family that's attended Texas. He's a big Texas fan. He's going to buy in and give it all that he's got. I don't think he's an early early instant impact type of guy, but I think he's a guy that later on in his career can end up being a multi-year starter. And again, you can never have too many guys that have the ability to rush the passer. Yeah, that's the thing about Derrick Harris is he is your pass rusher take in this class. Last year was Prince Dorba, a guy who was a pure pass rusher. Mm -hmm. This year, it's Derrick Harris Jr. That's what wins you games a lot of the time in the Big 12 is a guy who can get sacks, a guy like Trace Ford, or a guy like um, Jaquan Bailey, Ronnie Perkins, or even Joseph Osai, as you saw at Texas. So a guy who can get to the passer. That's what you're hoping to get in Derrick Harris Jr. is a guy who can hopefully develop more as a pass rusher and then also learn how to play in the run game, how to play in space, and not just go forward. Well, that's his talent. If nothing else develops his calling card, he can get to the quarterback. That's a good enough skill to be able to, you know, earn that scholarship. Exactly. So, um, I, I like Derek Harris. I just um, – he's going to need more time than I originally thought when I first evaluated him a few years ago. Especially coming off an injury. Right. Next guy you have coming in, another defensive lineman, Jordan Thomas. 
And Jordan Thomas, another guy who committed early on, relatively early on, he's another Oscar Giles project for that defensive line, probably looking at the other side from Derek Harrison, Jatavian Sanders, as more of a place where Marquise Bimage is going to play next year. Yeah, Jordan's probably uh yeah, he's a, he's probably a strong side guy. Um he's probably what 245, 250 right now. I think he'll end up hell, if Marquez Bimmons can come in from Brenham, what was he what? 220 when he signed and get up to 270. Thomas should have no problem getting into the 270s, 280s. I think his ceiling is a guy like Taquan Graham. When I watch Jordan Thomas on video, I don't I don't see a standout trait. Probably his length. I, I like his length. Well, he's he's about six two, you know what I'm saying? About I just, he's strong. I mean, you see him; he's developed physically already. You know, which also makes me wonder how much room you know does he have to continue to develop. But um, he's a guy that I can tell he's got some leadership. He's got some intangibles about him. You know, he's a guy that's gonna hold other guys accountable, look them in the eye, challenge them. He's violent. He's, he's he's tough in the run game, which you know you can never have too much too much of. I just I don't see what he brings as far as the ability to really get after the quarterback. I think he's got a low floor or a high floor, I'm sorry, and a low ceiling, if that makes sense. Um, no, I personally sure. have a three-star grade on him, but he was a guy that was coveted heavily, you know, by Texas A&M, by Arkansas, by other programs in the area, and Texas won out. So clearly there's something there that, that people are seeing. I know he's a guy that was injured his junior year, had the ACL injury. So, And I, and I need to go back. I haven't seen a ton of him as a senior. But I, I know initially I wasn't super impressed with Jordan Thomas, but um, by all accounts he's a great kid and – other people seem to like him a lot, so I'm not I'm not going to knock him or, or, or beat him up too much. I just don't see a lot of star potential there. But he's a guy that can play either defensive end spot and possibly can even grow into a defensive tackle at some point. Right. The next guy we have, we're going to hop back on the early enrollee train here. There's going to be a lot of them. Choo-choo. What, 17? You have 10? In Terrence Cooks. And he's one of the last two guys to commit to Texas. Texas has a lot of talent right now in this – defensive side of this class Mm -hmm. and Terrence Cooks is definitely one of them when I watch his film especially from his senior year you see a guy who has good speed good flexibility and how they use him I mean he played safety he played defensive end he played linebacker he covered he went forward he went backwards he does pretty much everything and he does it relatively well he's what you want in a big 12 linebacker and honestly I think he's a great pickup for Texas this Texas class will go will be on Maurice Blackwell next because you can't talk about Terrence Cooks without Blackwell. This linebacker class, I think, is probably the best one you've had since Malik Jefferson. Well, this was the class. The thing is, these these were the best two available. I don't think mm-hmm. I think Kendrick Blackshire, who's ranked high on us all the sites, and I've I've seen Kendrick play the last three years. I think Kendrick's gonna end up being a defensive end. Um, but Terrence Cooks it can fly. And he's not a guy that runs around blocks either. He, he, he wants to be physical. He actually reminds me a little bit. He's, he, in my mind, he's a poor man's version of um of Marcel Brooks, even though Marcel doesn't really play linebacker. And um, who was that? TC trying to make him a safety. Marcel Brooks is a pass rusher in a 6'2", 215-pound body. I see Terrence Cooks as a that type of athlete. I think he's a poor man's version of, 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 um, of Brooks. I think Terrence Cooks has an opportunity. So he'll be a freshman next year. And they'll be behind a senior Overshone, a senior Mitchell. He's got a chance. Um, he'll be competing against, you know, Benda and Tillman and stuff like that. But he's got a chance to earn him some playing time. Jalen Ford, who's going to be really good. Jury's still out on Jalen Ford, in my opinion, and on all those backup linebackers. But I like Terrence Cooks a lot. He's going to be the most athletic of the group. 
you know, once he gets on campus outside of Overshone. And or we already you mentioned Blackwell. You know, I, I kind of don't know when I look at them too. I don't know which one's the mic, you know, and which one's the wheel. You know, they're kind of interchangeable, and that's that's part of a you know a positive about both of them. Um, both guys are long. Both guys are athletic. And both guys will want to you know they want to put their screws. They want to hit you in the chin. So um, I'm, I'm excited about that linebacker group. Uh, Coleman Hustler did a heck of a job. He got the best two that the state has to offer. I don't I don't know what more you could could want as as Longhorn fans. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said this is probably the best class you've gotten since Malik Jefferson in terms of linebackers because you got the best two in the state of mm. Texas at linebacker, and I don't know when the last time you did that was. Yeah, yeah, not 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 two of them. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But yeah. they're saying that, and the state hasn't produced a ton of linebackers, you know, in, recently. You know, yeah. Benda Benda was one of the top two in his class, and they had to go out of state to get. You know, it hadn't been a lot of options. They did a great job with it this year. I, I gave that group a a B plus just based on what was available. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm really excited about what those two guys bring, and I'm really excited about a position that at the beginning of this year you were questioning, like, what are they going to do with linebacker? That now they have some bodies there, mm-hmm. and it's no longer a question. And if Overson were to declare early. I would not be shocked to see one of them get some playing time. Yeah. The next guy you got coming up is out-of-state wide receiver and early enrollee in Jaden Alexis. Mm-hmm. Jaden Alexis is a 5'11 guy. I would probably see him as an inside wide receiver. He has some traits where he can go up and get the ball. He has some traits where he can go over across the middle and get the ball. I- I'm interested to see what they can do with him at Texas. I think Jaden Alexis is your potential replacement for Jake Smith in a couple of years. Jaden Alexis' dad, Rich, played in the NFL. I want to say it was the Seahawks for a little while. He was a running back. Um, Jaden's built like a running back as well. Um, from what I understand, he's class valedictorian at his school out there, um, out there in Florida. Um, he's a guy that's going to fit in great, you know, with the UT campus, you know, with the culture and everything. I, I look at him, he's built, you know, he's built like a running back. And, you know, he when you when you see him catch, he catches those short passes and he's able to make guys miss in close quarters and take it to the house. It's always a question with Texas and, and guys like this, of, you know, how are they going to use him, right? As far as what he brings to the table, I, I think he's your, you know, he, he's kind of physically, when you see him in a uniform, he's going to look a little bit like Jordan Whittington, you know what I'm saying? But I think... I think he's an inside guy all the way, and I, I think two, three years from now, he's a guy that's going to be a part of He's going to be in the mix. I like Jaden Alexis. I'm kind of surprised, and I was surprised they were able to get him because I know Miami. Miami wanted him bad. His athleticism is not to be questioned. That's no. one thing. When you watch his no. film, he's going up and getting balls, which is why I'm thinking, hey, if you are full at the middle, if you're full at slot, you can try him out at Z wide receiver. But like a guy like little Jordan Humphrey – He's a wide receiver in a running back's body. Now he doesn't have quite the size that little Jordan Humphrey has, mm-hmm. but he's got some twitch. Usually Texas would pass on that, but now they're getting a guy who is a running back. He's a guy who can make stuff happen in space. Next guy on the list we have is Hayden Connor, another early enrollee, offensive lineman. Darius and I, we've already kind of gushed about him a little bit. He's been one of my favorite recruits since he was in eighth grade, honestly. I went over to Katie Taylor, what was it, three years ago to go talk with uh, Max Wright, who went to A&M. Mm-hmm. And the coaches were telling me there, the offensive line coach was like, yeah, you have to watch out for these two guys, these two eighth graders coming in who were already over six foot and 250 pounds, 280 pounds, Hayden Connor and Bryce Foster. Little did I know later on I would actually be following those two guys and they would be pretty highly rated. 
Hayden mm-hmm. Connor is one of those five guys who Texas really wanted going into this year. They both they got him, and I think the fact that he was uh, pulled in so early on mm-hmm. is one of the reasons he ended up as a high three star. I think he's a lot better of a player when you watch his film, when you watch him in person, when you understand who he is. I think he's a lot better than where he is in terms of ratings and stars and whatnot. Yeah, well, taking a glance at the website, twenty four seven rivals, they got the dude rated three stars. I don't, I don't. That's I think that's asinine. Um, I think he's a guy that, I mean, I think he could play early. Um, I think Hayden Connor could come in, and I think he can give you depth immediately at either guard spot. And he's got he's athletic enough. He's got the footwork to even help you at right tackle um, in the future. I'm high on Hayden Connor. I think he's one of the top five available offensive linemen that were in this class. And you know, Texas did a great job locking him up early. Um, he's a really, really smart kid. He wants to be a part of the um, – um, the astronaut program, what aerospace program at Texas, you know, and that to some people that's a negative. You know, they don't they want football players to be eat, sleep, drink football. They didn't come to play school. You know, that could possibly be a negative for some people in their minds as well about Hayden Connor. But um, watching that dude, I, I think he's a beast. And again, Longhorn fans, remember the homework I gave you earlier in the show. Take a look at that. I think y'all will come out feeling really good about that guy. Yeah, and when I'm looking at guys who are rated above him, who Texas pulled in in the past years, Logan Parr, Jalen Garth, Javon Shepard. I'm looking at all these guys like, oh, Hayden Connor is better than all of these guys. All of these guys. Uh, maybe Jake Majors is somewhere you know, maybe better. I don't think Hayden's a better prospect than Majors was. Yeah, I really like where Hayden Connor is, and I don't know why he has fallen so far behind. So, you got to remember, yeah, he, used, he grew up playing tight end. You know, he outgrew it. Like you say, he was hell a freshman. He's 6'5", 280 pounds already. But, again, he moves really well. He's massive. He's going to play. He's going to be a fixture in this Texas He has front. a mean streak. He might not look yeah. mean. He has right. a mean streak. Right. Again, y'all watch the tape. Watch the video. Hayden Connor is a heck of a player. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. You no, know, ranking yeah. be damned. If you're going to miss on everybody else, at least you got a guy who – it loves Texas, loves Texas, loves it. Remember, and them swore they was gonna be. He was a lock for their class. They thought Hayden Connor was in. Then Hayden Connor would then become all oh, he's average to after he committed to Texas. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see because I really like Hayden. I, I really do. Next guy you have is a guy who Darius really likes, Byron Murphy. We already talked a little bit about Byron Murphy a, l- a few shows ago when he committed to Texas, the last commit for Texas. But he's not a highly rated guy, so what is he missing, Darius? He's not missing anything. You check it. Their ranking has gone up recently. Some folks were talking about, I mean, as a sophomore, Murph might have been six foot. You know what I'm saying? 5'11". Okay, I see him every day. He's a legitimate six foot one wheel. Um, he weighed in at 304 pounds two weeks ago, and that's at 15 16% body fat. Okay, he's a freak. He's a kid that bench presses. 400 pounds. He squats almost 700 pounds. Okay. He can power clean 315 pounds. He's a monster. Okay. What you see, you see the flashes of what Moro Ajomo is turning into. I think Byron Murphy is, 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 a, is the better version of Moro Ajomo. Um, I think Murph's going to play as a true freshman next year. He's a guy that can play. He's not going to be your nose, but he's a guy that can play that three technique, your defensive tackle. He can play strong side defensive end. He's quick enough. He's athletic enough. Y'all go do go take a look at Byron Murphy's huddle from this season as well. I'm telling y'all, Baylor almost got themselves a steal. Murphy is one of the top three or four available interior defensive linemen in this class. Texas, y'all got lucky and y'all have no idea. Y'all gonna love Murphy, but he won't be able to wear his number ten at Texas. He's gonna wear something else. 
Well, he's an early enrollee, so we'll get to see and we'll get a feel for him early on at Texas. Uh, I agree with you. I think he's a steal for Texas. I think Oscar Giles knows what he's doing when he's getting these defensive tackles. He knows how to evaluate. Maybe if he was at any other position, I'd be like, okay, well, we'll see. But I really do agree with you. I think Byron Murphy is a guy who can do very well at Texas. Yeah, Murph, Murph's the guy that's got it between the ears too, Will. Like, he's got everything you're looking for. He's the leader of our team, leader of our defense. Even Shamar follows Murph's lead. So Texas fans are going to like him, I promise. When you're looking at recruiting a guy, you obviously go to the head coaches first, and there you have it. Next guy you got on this list is another guy who has been turning heads, Jonathan Brooks, out of Hallettsville, the Brahmas, or Brahmas? Brahmas? I don't know how to say it. Hallettsville, Brahmas. 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 But he's a guy who is very under the radar and has been working his way up the ratings board due to the year he has been having. It's just he is the entire team. They hand the ball off to him. He's making cuts. He's making guys miss. He's he's running over guys. He's doing basically everything. He's a really good running back, and a guy who you thought was supposed to be your second running back in the class is looking like a guy who, if the competition holds up and he can take that to the next level, is a really good running back. Yeah, no, what what Jonathan Brooks, I mean, he he put up numbers last year and what he's done this year hadn't even been a video game. Like it's been it's been unreal um what he's been doing. And I think his team is playing for a state title this weekend. He's a guy and we've talked about it. We talked about it before the show. He's a guy that I have a hard time evaluating. You know, it's hard to tell how fast he really is. Um, you do see some some angles get eliminated sometimes um, when he's running or guys that have an angle. You do see them catch up to him, um, even at that level. I believe Hallisville is 3A, but even though they don't make the tackle, you can't deny his vision. Um, he's got a heck of a jump cut. He's able to make plays with his hands as a wide receiver as well. There's really not a whole lot. He's a guy that appears well. He's somebody that does everything well, but may not necessarily have a standout trait. And even in that sense, even in that case, I think he's a guy that's proven that um he's earned the the respect to be thought of as one of the top backs in the state of Texas, not just a potential complimentary piece. I'm really, really interested to see what he does um during this time because he's I like to think I'm pretty good at, at doing this stuff, but he's a guy I've had a hard time evaluating. Yeah, it's definitely because of that competition that you're looking at that. But I still think that he's a guy who you could look at like a Deontay Foreman and say all right, he might not have the best top-end speed, but he has good top-end speed, good, not great, and it's that acceleration and the ability to make a guy miss in between the tackles. That's what I like about him. He does a lot of little little subtle things, you know? It's just it's going to be really interesting to see how it translates facing better better competition, but he appears to have a guy, be a guy that's got a, you know, he's got a strong center of gravity. I don't know what he's like in the weight room, but he look, he has room to obviously gain weight and get stronger. Um, I mean, he could potentially be a guy we're thinking, oh, he's just beating up on, on, on poor competition. He could be a guy that takes his game to up three, four notches just by being in a program like Texas and having the access to all the resources he clearly doesn't have um, playing at that low level out there in the, in the country in Texas. So, again, I'm really interested to see what he does. I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about Brooks because I, I want to say I think he's going to be pretty damn good, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we never – he doesn't end up being anything, you know, kind of – you know who he kind of reminds me of? And he ended up transferring from Texas and uh, playing at Houston, I think for Herman for a little while. Duke Catalan. Interesting. Why is that? I think they're similar. Duke Catalan was Duke Catalan was rated highly, but Duke Catalan played at what? Wasn't he at Aldine Eisenhower? He played at a high classification. Um, but they're both about six foot. 
both appear to have decent, not great speed. You know, both are great, big-time, talented receivers out of the backfield. They could be using the screen game, stuff like that. I, th- I think they have a lot of similarities, even though Catalan was the higher-rated, more highly-touted back, you know, coming out. I feel that. Next, we go to the tight ends of this class, or at least Juan Davis and Gunnar Helm. Gunnar Helm being an early enrollee, Juan Davis is an athlete, basically just does everything for his team at Everman over in Fort Worth. What are you seeing out of Juan Davis? Where do you think he ends up on campus? Because they've recruited him at tight end, but could he end up as your ex-wide receiver? Is he fast enough? Is he going to be taught enough is does he have good enough hands to be the wide receiver out there or are you trying to push him like you did Malcolm Epps and then Gunnar Helm what are you seeing out of him he's gonna be coming in early he seems pretty good Cherry Creek is doing really well this year up in Colorado but you know he's not very highly rated he's a guy who is okay at you know we talked about him earlier he's okay at blocking he's a plus wide receiver what are you expecting out of these two guys Starting with Juan Davis, I'm glad you said you know, he plays fast enough to play wide receiver. If Malcolm Epps can play wide receiver for two years, Juan Davis can play wide receiver for two years. Well, but um, Malcolm Epps played wide receiver, but did he play it well? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's subjective. I think Juan. You no, know, Juan's about six three. Right now, he's probably about 210, 215 pounds. He's the best athlete in that high school at Everman. He just, you know, they put him at quarterback. He just takes the snap and runs his own read, or he might throw a pass here and there, but. Juan's a guy that's difficult to evaluate. You know, you got to do some some projection there with him. Um, I've seen him play seven on seven. He's got good hands, strong hands, you know, as you would expect as being a basketball player as well. He's a natural, you know, high point kind of guy, catch point kind of guy. I'm not a huge fan of trying to take guys that haven't played tight end and then try to get them, you know, on a college campus and get them blocking, you know, 280, I wonder why. 300 pounds. I wonder pounds. why, well, it's, 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 it's dumb. It's dumb. It's not it's probably not a high percentage, you know, on the on the on the transition there, right there's there. There's nothing personal behind that. Nothing uh, at all. It, it would take a hell of a teacher, and you know, all, a lot of these guys don't have time to really, you know, develop these guys and teach them. You know, being a college coach, you got to recruit. You know, you got to do a lot of stuff. You know, you ain't really ain't got time to be teaching nobody stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, Juan Davis, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what they do with him. I think he does have some value, um, and he could possibly be the big receiver in this class. He's a guy that's been locked in the entire time. So, you know, with guys like that who aren't worried about the outside noise and stuff like that, I'm interested to see him, how he does on campus. And with Gunnar Helm, um, with Helm, you see him on tape split out at wide receiver at times with Cherry Creek. Um, I like that they throw him the fade ball. He, he's used to work in the middle. Um, he lines up in the trenches and, and in line a little bit too. So he's not going to be brand new to, you know, being asked to block once he gets on campus, even though he's probably going to still need some time to – obviously he's going to need some time to get in the weight room and get better there, but – all of the 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 foundation is there for Gunnar Helm to end up being a, a quality contributor at that tight end spot, which is um, outside of quarterback, obviously. Um, that's, in my opinion, outside of quarterback, tight end might be – that's one of the hardest positions to play because you got you to gotta be a part offensive lineman. You got to know all the calls. got to know how to, the defensive fronts and where your assignment changes. Got to be a wide receiver. <laughs> Even after blocking in your hands or hurting, you got to line up in the backfield. At times, the H-back got to be a running back. So – it's a tough position, but um, I think Texas did really well at that position with Gunnar Helm um, being able to pluck him out of Colorado. And if Juan Davis is a tight end as well, just the athleticism that he brings to that room. Um, Texas got some talent in that tight end room um, moving forward. Um, they really? really have too many bodies there. Um, no, but, um, you throw bodies at the position like you do the quarterback until you find a guy who is just that good, like you did with Jared Wiley. Yeah, and then you just hope you, hope you play him, you know, like yep. he's that good. <laughs> 
That's true. Uh, yeah, Next no. guy you got coming up is, again, like I just said, throwing bodies at the position. Charles Wright, your quarterback, coming in as an early enrollee. Guy out of Austin High. You stole out of Iowa State. He's a guy who could be a Colt McCoy where he comes in and surprises you and takes over the position. I think that would probably be after either Hudson Card, Jaquinnon Jackson, or even Casey Thompson leaves. And then there's another. I think he doesn't win this next quarterback battle, but I think he could be in potential for the next one. And he's also the reason why you brought him in because he's not a very highly recruited guy. He's a guy who Texas is a dream school, and that means that he's likely not going to be leaving the transfer portal after he doesn't win the job immediately. He's a guy who gives you depth in that position, is a guy who can learn the position as he grows in that program, and then after a while, if you know he is the next greatest thing and he really does learn it, then you have a ready-made guy, and you can have a freshman wait a year to learn and become you know the next thing is he's a depth guy but he's a plus depth guy yeah no I, I respect Charles Wright I was pleasantly surprised when he committed when I actually went to check out you know his highlights he throws a heck of a ball <laughs> and um you check take a look at the stats he can run a little bit too even though he's not going to be you're probably not going to be labeled a dual threat guy Hell, was was Ellinger considered a dual threat guy coming out of yeah. Westlake? Was he? Mm-hmm. Okay, he he runs. If if Sam Ellinger is caught, considered a plus runner, then Charles Wright's pretty close to a plus runner coming out as well. But he's not. I mean, he's probably about six foot and a half. You know, we've we've seen over the the past five years or so that height is no longer as big of a deal as it used to be for the quarterback position. But just watching Charles Wright, and he's at Austin High. Will I mean, no disrespect, Austin High hadn't been very good. And he's a guy that's gotten them to the playoffs. You know, historically, they haven't been very good over the last, you know, two decades or so. But their but, fight song, man. Have you heard their fight song? I haven't. Let me, real fast, let me find I just need to go question. to an Austin High game. You know, Charles Wright got them playing it every five minutes or so because he's, run, he's running, you know, he's getting guys to the end zone. But um, I like Charles Wright a lot. I can tell he's a gamer. I can tell he's competitive. He's not worried about coming in, you know, and competing with anybody. And he probably would have went to Iowa State and, and beaten Texas at some point. So I like Charles Wright. Um, you know, you never know with these types of things. Maybe he is the next Colt McCoy, but um, you know, we'll see. You have to have a body at the position. Obviously, I'm not. You know, Jalen Milrow, in my opinion, was the top in-state quarterback in the class, but he was going to end up in Alabama anyway. You know, since you were doing all the flirting with Quinn Ewers and everything, who ended up spurning you. You know, we'll, another topic for another time. I like Charles Wright. I do, and like you said about him being a guy that's going to stick around, that's that's invaluable. So, Charles Wright's really cool, right? Love the Austin High fight song. My mom went there, so she taught me the fight song oh, hell. as I grew up. To the tune of Notre Dame's fight song. Beer, beer for old Austin High. Bring out the risky, bring out the rye. Wow. Send those freshmen out for gin. Don't let a sober sophomore in. Wow. We never stagger, we never wow. fall. We sober up on wood alcohol. Wow. All ye saints of Austin High are out on the junka again. It's great. Wow. It's it's 100% Austin. It's 100% dazed and confused. It, that's where it comes. That's the generation it came from. That's it's a wonderful, school, wonderful that's the high school fight song. Yeah, dude, that was when what the, the drinking hell? age was eighteen. Hey, fun fact about I, I never drank until I got to Texas, so I was it was all brand new to me. I didn't know folks drank in high school. Like they don't, well, we, don't, we don't do that around here up here in, in south south southwest Dallas County. I think that's now the unofficial high high school fight song. 
but <laughs> it was the official high school song back when my mom was in college and back when the drinking That's age was crazy. 18. And, you know, like how the drinking age Wait, was 21. Wait, so the drinking everybody... age was once 18 in America? Yeah, dude. You I didn't, know that? Well, I mean, I don't know a lot about American history. A lot of us don't, but yeah, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's it was 18 for a while, and then they found out how much it fucks up your brain, and they're like, oh, we should probably make this 21. But yeah, it's just another thing that was omitted from the history books. That was the old Austin High School fight song. One of my favorites out there, just because it is hilarious. Charles Wright coming from that high school. The last guy I think Texas pulled from that high school was Caleb Jones. And he was drink drinking that gin, gin, gin on 6th Street and got him in trouble. So yeah, all right. But I don't think Charles Wright is like that. The next guy you have on this list, Casey Kane out of Louisiana. He's one of those low three-star guys you bring out of Louisiana, and he comes to Texas, and I'm really excited about him. From what you see in his tape, he has good hands. He has really good size. He plays strong against other against his competition. He uses his body well. I'm excited about what he can potentially bring to Texas. Yeah, I like Casey Kane. I liked Casey Kane uh, the first time I watched him. Um, I, I've watched him play basketball. I like what I see from him on tape. Watch, just watch how he releases off the line of scrimmage and the little stuff that he does. Somebody somewhere has coached him up um, on some of the nuance of the position. Casey Kane, again, the state of Louisiana puts out more NFL prospects than any other place in America per capita. And, um, you know, every, there are going to be some that slip through the cracks every now and then. I think Texas got the one in Kane coming out of Warren Easton um, down there in New Orleans. He's about 6'2". He's going to be an outside guy. He's smooth. I like Casey Kane. I think he's got a chance. I mean, you just never know how that stuff's going to work out. But I think Casey Kane, um, he's got a lot of things going for him. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't think there's much else you can say. He's a guy who has a high upside. He has a low floor, high ceiling. And I'm excited for what he can do at Texas. I, I think he's slick. To be a 6'2 guy, I think he moves like a smaller guy. And that's what you look for. Yeah. The next guy you have on this list is the second offensive lineman of this class, Max Merrill at a straight Jesuit. I'm watching his film right now. Seems like he has a nasty streak. Mm-hmm. He plays a little high. He probably needs a little bit more weight on him. But uh, he's definitely your project in this offensive line. And... Again, it's so hard to evaluate offensive linemen in this class. It's just nice to be able to see him finish blocks on teams. You know, he goes to straight Jesuit, but he's finishing blocks on Shadow Creek and Perlin High, C.E. King. Straight Jesuit is a private school, but they definitely, but they play these public schools, and he plays up to his competition. Yeah, um, when so like I said, evaluating offensive linemen is really tough, right? You look for I look for a, a couple of things. Just with me taking a look at Merrill, okay, his feet aren't heavy, which is a really really good thing. Um, he's a guy that's got light feet, so he's a guy that should be you know even when he's beaten, he's a guy that should be able to stay on his feet and possibly recover. You know, as he gets older, as he gets better. Um, like you said, you can't teach a mean streak. You know, when he when he gets engaged, he wants to put guys on their back. He wants to get them to the ground. Um, and he's a guy that wants to, you know, he wants to pancake, you know, climb all over you, rub, you know, might might knee you in the head on the way up, you know, might say a few things to you, you know, that's what you're looking for. But um, he runs his feet on contact. Um, he's he doesn't look, I don't know what he's listed at weight wise, but he's a guy that's going to need at least two years to get some sand in his pants. He's going to need a lot of work in the weight room. Six four um, two seventy. Yeah, that two seventy is probably about ten fifteen pounds generous. Yeah, he's at least six three, six four. Um, the arms don't look short. I think there's some there's some nice things to work with there. Again, with these old linemen, you can't go by the rankings. Some guys are maxed out. You know, some guys are just you don't know. 
But um, Merrill is athletic. He moves well. He's got a mean streak. Um, he's going to need, like all offensive linemen, maybe outside of Tommy Brockermeyer, he's going to need technique work. Um, he's going to need a lot of time in the weight room. But I think the pieces are there for potentially, you know, a guy that contributes um, later on in his career. Sam Cosby was in uh, .839. This guy's in .85. It's – Sam Cosman was also playing, well, you, you, Atascacita. He was playing Atascacita. Yeah. Straight Jesuit, like you said, they play public schools. So it's so hard to evaluate these guys. You know, it's offensive linemen, unless it is like the top of the top guys, like a Tommy Brockermeyer or a Donovan Jackson. After that, like after you get down into the mid, mid four stars, it's just a crapshoot, unless you really know what you're looking for. Last guy you got is Isaac Pearson. I'm, I'm going to be short and sweet with Pearson because obviously I've never seen him. I don't, I'm not no expert punt, you know, punt kicking specialist or nothing, but it seems like it's never a bad idea to, you know, to go to Australia, look, find you a punter. So, um, no. hey, I'm across, I'm across my fingers and hope he's a, he's a good one. Like, um, like, um, like Michael Dixon. It's interesting that they got a punter and not a kicker in this class. I guess there's nobody in the state who you're like, wow, that's the guy like Cameron Dicker was. But again, if you're going to go to Australia and, Go to Pro Kick Australia. It seems like they always give you one of their best guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time it was Bushevsky. The time before that was Michael Dixon. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? Go back. Go back to that well. Isaac Pearson seems to be one of the best guys at that. And that's what they keep on saying. So I, I really like the more I watch Merrill, I really like his feet, man. Back to him. I'm I'm still watching it. You know why we I'm I'm just I, I really like his feet. Well, and that's what you got in this 2021 class coming to Texas. Isaac Pearson, also an early enrollee. Mm-hmm. Going to the second national signing day, what are the biggest needs in this class? What are where are the biggest holes and what do you need to fill? Obviously, you still need to find some more bodies at offensive line. You know, hopefully you can get Maslinski back in the fold. Um, and I think, you know, pretty much, yeah, you, you need some more offensive linemen. You need you a corner, another corner in the class, and probably another wide receiver. And uh, if you can get them another running back, I, I would rather have a running back more than I would rather have another receiver or corner in this class. But I don't really? know where the quality guy comes from. Yes, because going in the next season, well, it's, it's let's say Keontae is not returning. Texas is looking at Bijan, Roshan, and just Jonathan Brooks, right? Are we expecting Don, Daniel Young to come back and start playing football after being out for a year? So just right. the depth and the, the threat of injury at that position, you just don't want to be left you know, stuck with somebody back there that really can't threaten the defense yeah and on top of that you have a guy who's a priority target right now and lj johnson we talked about at the beginning he's probably going to wait until the february signing day between texas and texas a&m if texas can sell what they have in Bajon robinson and rashawn johnson what they turn those two guys into to lj johnson then you could win that. That's what they're going to have to work on. Stan Drayton's done very well as a recruiter so far. We'll see if he can work his magic there or if the allure of Texas A&M being the number five team in the nation will win him over there. Uh, you know, And also they have a really good running game as well. Isaiah Spiller has been really good. Devin O'Shane at A&M is also very good. So you have two really good running games that are trying to sell LJ Johnson on them. We'll see what who wins out come second national signing day. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on at that offensive line position is Eric Cade, uh, a guy who 
is looking at Alabama. Alabama is telling him, we might have room for you. He's waiting for them. So if that doesn't happen, Eric Cade, you have an offer out to him. You need bodies at offensive line. He's an idea. Cade's massive, another massive guy. He can either be a guy that plays either guard or tackle. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be up, unfortunately. But, hey, we didn't think Alabama was going to take uh, – what's my big man from North Shore last year, offensive lineman? Oh, I don't remember his name either. But, yeah, we didn't think they were going to take him. They ended up taking him and yeah. didn't sign Zach Evans. So um, Damian George is his name. And Eric Kay kind of reminds me – he reminds me in a lot of ways of, of Damian George. So, um, yeah, if if, if, if Alabama decides they're going to go in another direction, I think it's a strong chance Kate ends up in Texas's class. So if you had a four-man class of of, uh, of Hayden Connor, Eric K, Mike Moslinski, and Max Merrill, that's not terrible. I mean, let's not forget was it what was it 2014? Was that the class of uh, Alex Anderson, Elijah Rodriguez, and Terrell Cuny? Okay, there there have been worse offensive line classes, believe it or not, Texas fans, yeah. over you know within this decade. So no, the sky's not falling. And also the second national signing day, there's a lot of times that guys come out of the woodwork where they come out, like that cornerback you're talking about is a potential target. Mora Ojomo was one of those guys. Preston Hodge, y'all. Remember the name. I said it first. If he makes the NFL five, six years from now, remember this podcast, Will. <laughs> and Ennis Rakestraw. You had Jade Barron. A ton of guys who come out in the second national signing day mm-hmm. and or Texas gets late and turn out to be actually very good prospects or players. So it's not like, oh, wow, they didn't, you know, 17 players right now, they're screwed. There's a lot of times you can get into this second national signing day and find some really good players who were just overlooked. No question. So I think on that note, y'all, we're going to end off there. This has been 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. My man, DT, where can we find you? Hey, y'all can find me on Twitter as well, D-T-E-R-R-E-L-L-05. Hey, some of y'all, I've been getting some messages, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, y'all hit me up, um, and I enjoy engaging with you. Um, as always, y'all, thank y'all for tuning in and, and checking us out on the on this 4th and 5 podcast. You guys can find us and our other work on TexasAtTheFootballBrainiacs.com. You can find our writings there. Or you guys can find our other episodes right here on the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week. Hook them.